welcome. Thank you all. This is a Easter Sunday, 2017. So what we'll do uh, is chant Om today. Your hair has been changed. <laughs> so we'll ch we'll chant Om uh, uh, three times, just so that everyone <coughs> becomes part of one collective. So with your your spine erect. And, and taking a, a deep breath in. everybody quietly quietly on the same same page today um, it may be a little bit extensive today um, I and I'm going to take the aid of some of you um, The, the talk of this, the, the title of this satsang, what's the title? Oh, Inner Life and Practices of a Yogi. So you should really think about the inner life and the practices of a yogi. You know, so if you say inner, there's also an outer. <laughs> outer life <coughs> is theater. Inner life is the business of God. Getting, getting God's work done, and uh, what's in our minds all the time, 24/7, God's will, God's way. See, God's will, God's way. See, there's there's no room for God's will and Hari's interpretation. <laughs> That's rubbish, bogus. Nonsense. Now, how do, how do you know God's way? Well, you look to the to the great souls, and the the means by which they accomplish things. You you always have to be humble, and um, look to your greater mentors, your elder brothers, your elder brothers, and your elder sisters. So God's will, God's way. See, not what I think, and my way. You know. So you people read a, a religious book and they think, oh, this is what I think and this is how I'll do it. 
that's the way of man. Being quite frank, the way of rubbish. It's just, just absolute rubbish. You have to think, what is God's will as, as declared through the scriptures and his saints, which are his living voice in the world, and then how did they get it done? See, God's way. And that has to be always in our mind. You know, other, other, if you don't do that, if, if, if you're not very strong in, in that principle, you're just an arrogant human being, you know, parading or acting like a yogi. You know, you're, you're, you're a fraud. You're just a fraud. See, it's, it's not my will, my way. That's the way of human beings. But God's will, God's way, that's the way of the yogis. That's the way of the saints. See? So, in that way, you're always a humble servant. See? You're always serving. You're always a das. You know, you're not making the, making the rules. See? It, it's super, super, super important. So, there's these there's these types of uh, uh, great statements that all yogis, all genuine yogis, one way or the other, really, really practice, and that's one of them. That, that's it's always in your mind. You know, not how do I want to get it done, but how has my elder brothers and sisters accomplished these things? And then we follow. You, know, you might make some uh, cultural adjustments, you know, like that, or uh, adjustments based in time, but the mechanisms of how they did things, the psychological processes, the spiritual processes, the physical processes, follow your elder brothers and sisters. See? Hence the, the, the great need to study as many of the great spiritual biographies as possible. You know, and, and and they're there, and and try to read the biographies of of, of great acclaimed saints, you know, like the Gospel of Ram Krishna is, is one, or the autobiography of Yogi is is another. You know, the the Gospel of Swami Ramdas is another. There's many, there's many here, but find find an authentic saint and read their biography because you're start, you also are learning not only the psychology and philosophy of God but you're learning the methodology of serving God and you're learning the, the price that must be paid don't think this life and this path is just a, a path of, of rose petals that you're walking on I don't think Jesus walked on a rose petal path or Gautama Buddha if you look at his book biography walked on a rose petal path you know in, in their striving to, to to become realized and to, to serve God you know, so you have to have a realistic uh, realistic uh, point of point of view so um, I have to use my glasses to see I, I almost uh, this month um, I almost canceled uh, this talk because I hadn't the slightest clue as what to talk about. I, it's, I had a complete blank mind. <laughs> and then maybe, uh, um, I guess maybe it was on Tuesday or Wednesday. And this is Sunday. 
it dawned on me, oh, I, I've been thinking about uh, these yogic processes, you know, for a couple of months in terms of organizing the process. Um, and I said, oh, why don't I talk about that? You know, be because through the years I've done so many different practices and done so many different inquiries. Um, for some reason, over the last number of months, my mind has been organizing the practices and, and also organizing the practices and then sort of simplifying the practices so people would understand them. Um, so today's talk is actually very, very important um, because uh, if you listen carefully, take real notes, whether mental or audio or written notes, you can actually learn a heck of a lot and you can actually make, I would say, extreme spiritual progress if you do the work. You know, if, if you're casual, well, good luck with that. But if, if, if you actually, you know, think about it deeply and do the work, you'll make significant spiritual pro progress. You know, all the different types of yogic experiences can come to you. you know, uh, so the very first principle that I, I, I thought about is the, is the power of intention. You know, why are so many yogis not accomplished, or people in the yoga life, quote, quote, yoga life, not, not so accomplished? They're just sort of uh, pleasant monkeys. It's because their intention is very modest. They, they're taking yoga as a, as a hobby, as you know, you know, as a sort of a fun lifestyle, new agey lifestyle. But if if you if if you get very serious, you you acquire, you say, I want to become a yogi. And then if you say that, th then the next intelligent step that you must make is say, well, what is a yogi? <laughs> So you, you have to do some research to say, to come up with an intelligent definition of a yogi, not someone who's just going to gym class and bending and stretching. That's, that's silly, juvenile. But what are the, who, who are real yogis? And then how can, I, how can I meld myself into that type of a, a, a soul? You know, when I was a boy, I, I, I used to uh, marvel at some of the yogis at uh, the D Divine Life Society in uh, Rishikesh, India. And I would think, my God, these are such great souls. You know, you know how is that possible you know, to become such a Mahatma? You know, it, it, really, it really captured my mind. I was really uh, deeply impressed with the lives these, these souls were living. That ashram and, and, and other ashrams also, but that ashram particularly was it was, it was like a saint factory. So you, you have to sort of ruminate quite a bit on 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 these souls, and then you have to have intention. Just like everybody here, you know, has all gone to university, and uh, you say, okay. I have the intention of getting a two-year degree. I have the intention of getting a four-year degree. I have intention of getting the eight-year degree. So by that intention, there's also 
you're also determined to do a certain amount of effort. You know, and, and you're gonna you're gonna adjust your life around your university studies, where you live, where you work, what your free time is. It's the, the, the university becomes the center. You know, you, you adjust everything around getting your course of studies done. Your whole life is adjusted around that. So the same thing in, in, in this yoga life, you know, you determine what a yogi is, where you have an evolving understanding of what a yogi is, and then you apply some intention. It's, when you go to university, university is not a hobby. You know, you have to do a lot of uh, sacrifice to fulfill your course of study. So there's no difference in this life you, 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 you have, the only difference maybe is in those have two year, four year, eight year, and maybe postgraduate studies. But uh, in, in the yoga, you have intention. Your intention becomes, I'm going to live this life. It, it's, it becomes your life, your, your li whole life agenda, not just a, a, a short period. So if you figure you have another 60 or 80 years of life, that's your 60 or 80 years course that you, that you have the intention of fulfilling. Just like you have the intention of fulfilling a four-year course or an eight-year course. So you, there's, there's no dropping out. You, you go ahead until you fulfill it. So th that uh, having that intention, w without having a mature intention, you won't make any progress. You know, you might have sort of joyful excursions, but, you know, that's more Disneyland than, than substantive, than, than going on a, a true pilgrimage. So w when you determine that you're going to become a yogi, your, your entire life centers around that university of, of yogic or dharmic thinking and dharmic life. And it's the, the, the course of study is the entire birth. See, you're a yogi, and that's why I say, this is who I am, this is what I do, and there's nothing outside of that. <laughs> you know, nobody can tell me anything about who I am or what I do. You know, th this yoga life is it. Everything out is out. Everything in is in. <laughs> you know, this is who I am, this is what I do. No discussion. You have that, you acquire that determination. So, so you, you set, you set on an, an intelligent uh, determination, you know, intelligent uh, intention. And, and, and then you go with it and, and, and understand that, you know, in university you have many, many courses. Someone's studying engineering, someone's studying chemistry, you know, someone else is studying design. So in this university, you're studying Dharma. See? So we respect all the other people who are studying other disciplines. You know, God bless you, good luck with that. But you have to understand your discipline, see? And and have a fidelity to your discipline. So you, you can't study everything. In the higher yoga practice, you have to determine what's most important in life and then go for it. There's a lot of pleasant things in life. There's a lot of important things in life. But 
there's only a few most important things. See? In, in this yoga life, we choose what's absolutely most important and that we go for that. This yoga slash dharma life is the highest life. You know, on, on the evolutionary scale of activities to be involved in, the yogic dharmic life is the highest life. It's the highest practices on the planet. See? The saints and the masters are the, uh, are the accumulation of, uh, of human evolution. It it's, it's represents the highest in, in, the, in human endeavors. So you, you have to understand that. You know, it's in, in this life you have to uh, acquire m multiple bodies of practice and, and multiple bodies of, of knowledge that you accumulate through the years. You know, you, you, it's not possible to do everything at once. You, 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 you get a program and then you, you just slowly work through the program. You know, in, in, in the beginning, to, to make this kind of journey, it's a little bit like physical and psychological mountain climbing. So you, you have to have some relative decent health. You know, um, so you do some elementary studies of Hatha Yoga, elementary and intermediate study of Hatha Yoga, and some, some basic study of, of yoga dietetics. If you can become a vegetarian, all the better. If you can't become a vegetarian, have some vegetarian days in your week. First one day, then two days, then three days like that. You know, you don't absolutely have to be a vegetarian, but it's useful. And, and it's also useful to have some, some basic intelligent uh, yogic knowledge about food. So if you want basic yogic knowledge about food, you in, in the Western context, you look at the naturopaths and what they say about diet. And then in the Eastern context, you look at the, the, um, the Ayurvedas, who have a, a profound knowledge of, of health, healing, and wholeness. So those, those elementary, those studies are there. And they're sort of lifelong studies. You're always refining your knowledge and deepening your knowledge. Um, but you're not. But keep it simple. You know, learn basic, intelligent dietetics, and 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 move ahead. See, if you're suffering all kinds of physical problems, it's very difficult. You know, if you have to sit for a half hour, one hour, two hours, three hours in meditation, and you're having all kinds of, you know, physical disturbances, it's tough. Meditation is hard enough, so you, you want to minimize that. And with the Hatha Yoga, you don't have to learn 84 postures or 108 postures. Not necessary. You know, you're not trained to become a Hatha Yogist. You're, become, you're training to become a, yo a Yogist. So if you, if you can master 12 to 15 postures and a few short routines, that is more than enough to be very healthy and to and to become to, to be able to challenge uh, this life you know so there's a a, a few uh, practices 
that are absolutely essential if if you're going to make sort of intelligent progressive um, uh, reviewable pro uh, progress you know, of course there's the the practice of meditation meditation is 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 absolutely essential it's absolutely essential it's it's a must learn it's not a maybe learn it's a must learn it's a must do see and again you can start out with 10 minutes and then move up to 15 minutes and then move up to 20 minutes and then move up to a half hour see so you don't have to say oh i have to sit for meditation for an hour no that's not true you have to start where you are be very very reasonable with yourself start where you are if, if 10 minutes is it start with 10 minutes and then do 10 minutes once a day and then do 10 minutes twice a day and then do 10 minutes three times a day see and then when you can master that three times a day 10 minutes then say okay i'm going to do 15 minutes see and then do that once a day twice a day three times a day and then when that gets really easy because in order to do this you have to constantly be adjusting your lifestyle see so you don't want to take any big giant jumps take incremental steps that way your yoga practice and your yoga methodology becomes integrated with your life see it it, it, it over time the yoga life should become your lifestyle see so there's no opposition between your your worldly life and your sacred life and then you and you just keep upping the ante you'll you'll get to half hour and then you'll get to 45 minutes but in all of those things you're making adjustments adjustments in time adjustments in routine adjustments in activities in, in your life so one of the essential practices is is that meditation practice it must be there without it Go do something else. If, if, you're, if you're not willing to sit for meditation, go do something else. Go take up tennis. You know, you'll, be, you'll be good. So you, you have to be serious. The, 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 the second practice is an intelligent practice of, of prayer. The problem now in the modern society is prayer has become sort of uh, jaded and people don't have much understanding of it. Prayer is, is, is a, um, a sincere conversation with God and uh, learning how to take in a sincere way God's will and put it into action in the world. So, you know, we should all go through books of prayers and, and sort of find favorite saints that we uh, attune to and then study their prayers because in studying the, the prayers of saints, you're also studying the psychology of saints. You're, you're also being able to see the world view of saints. And then in the, in the practice of prayer, you're taking your history and your psychology and your experiencing, experience in the world and then slowly remolding how you participate in the world by those prayers. Those prayers are, 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 are statements of reality and philosophy and perception of the higher souls. And then we have to say, well, I see the world this way. They see the world that way. How do I rotate myself 
to see the world through their perception. So how do I see the world through the eyes of Bhagavan Krishna? How do I see the world through, uh, through Sri Jesus? You know, how do I see the world through Gautama Buddha? You know, I know how I see the world, but how do they see the world? And that the yogic process is to make adjustments so that you can see the world through their perspective, through their eyes. See? So that you, you can acquire the vision of a Jesus, the vision of a Buddha, the vision of a Sri Krishna. See? See, that's a massive psychological revolution that, that you're going through. You're no longer trying to see the world my way. You know, that, that is now no longer on the table. You want to see the world as they see the world. You know, we have a vision of shadows. They have a vision of light. <laughs> you know, we have a vision of limitation. They have a vision of infinite. See? Can you understand when you study prayers properly and you utter, utter prayers properly, the, the, the evolution and revolution that you're going through? See? You're moving from the dark to the light, from confusion to wisdom. See? So, so uttering prayers and having not a voluminous amount of prayers, a few intelligent prayers that have deep meaning, that are, are, are deep phys, uh, uh, philosophical points of view, uh, ways of living, ways of perceiving, see, ways of serving. Don't have two million, have two or three. So it's very, 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 very important. So you have this prayer, you have this um, meditation. The other practice is the, the practice of, of mantra. Whether you understand mantra or not, doesn't mean any, doesn't make any difference. It still works. I don't understand the physics of fire, but if I put, put my finger in the fire, the physics still works. See? So the practice of, of mantra, um, and then here, well, there's many, many, many thousands of mantras, but Gayatri mantra, very, very important. Uh, that's Divine Mother. God is Divine Mother, is one that I'm promoting very much. And then Rama mantra, the Taraka mantra, Om Sri Rama, Jai Rama, Jai Jai Rama. Very, very important. There, there is a, a living divine alchemy. That, that occurs when you utter mantra. You, on, on just a, so so as, as energetic beings, you know, we have a relative harmony of, of pranas flowing through the body. When they get disrupted, then we have disrupted physical and psychological conditions. So that's an energetic condition. When you practice mantra, you're introducing an energetic condition from the kingdom. To, to, to even more greatly enliven, more greatly harmonize the complete human system, both physical, pranic, and psychological. Those are all energy systems. They're all different just gradations of energy. But then when you practice mantra, you have this unimaginable wash of divine energy flowing into you, which completely upgrades all of the systems, which means Anything and everything is possible when you practice mantra. You, you just have to become inundated with it. You have to become, just like when you put um, a tea bag in the tea, 
water all the water turns either green or or brown you know amber or the color of the tea so your whole your whole emotions and mind and body and pranas becomes you know influenced by that higher higher vibration which makes all things possible literally all things are possible through mantra mantra is the utterance of god's name or attunement of God's vibration through sound, through sound. See, so, so you have meditation, you have, you have prayer, you have mantra, and then you you want to uh, the the fourth po portion of that practice is is scriptural study and and, and contemplation. <coughs> With with scriptural study, you just become spiritually intelligent. <laughs> you know, you become spiritually intelligent. You you un you understand the psychology and the philosophy of the saints, and you also acquire spiritual uh, discrimination: what's important and what's not important. <laughs> you know, we all have friends and family who are living out their lives, all doing fine. God bless them all. But at the end of the day, how much meaning did they have? You know, if they drop dead right now, and you really do a, a real autopsy on their life, how much meaning was was in their life, or was just more of the same, more of the same, more of the same? You know, with, without really enriching themselves, or enriching their communities, or enriching their families, enriching them in the, in the most positive way. Or was it just a, a cycle of a dog chasing its tail? Dog chasing its tail from the yoga parlance means the dog is really happy, but it's going nowhere and doing nothing. <laughs> See? Nothing, nothing grew out of that. You know, there's, there's sort of joyful stupidity. You know? But what came out of it? It's the dog chasing its tail. Little to no meaning. So, you know, studying the scriptures, and in particular the Bhagavad Gita, and in, in going further, my injunction to you, is don't study one commentary, minimum five commentaries, minimum. So with the study of scriptures, and then deep contemplation, which means whatever dialogue is being discussed, one way or the other, in the back of your mind, you're always ruminating on on the words, on the on the on the journey. The Gita is not the only one, but that's a primary one. It's 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 central to all of yogic study. There's many other great 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 Gitas. I mean, great Gitas, and uh, great scriptures. There's many, but uh, you have to find a central one that becomes a root text, and then later on you can branch out and study study so studying the Bhagavad Gita minimum five commentaries as a life as a lifelong study don't ever think oh I read the Gita I got it being frank that's that's the words of an idiot it really is in, impossibly foolish the, the Gita is with it's it's infinite you know it, it goes on and on and on because it that's truly reflective of, of the mind of God 
in the world. There's no end to the wisdom in, in that text. So it, it becomes a, a lifelong rumination, see, a, a lifelong contemplation. And uh, always thinking of the stories and then looking into the world, thinking of the stories, looking into the world. So you can see how these, these uh, psychological forces are playing out in the world and how these, how these various qualities and forces are playing out within your own, your own self. Okay, so you have meditation, you have, you have prayer, you have scriptural studies. All of these, these methodologies are, are very, very important. Mantra practice. So those are your four principal life practices that, that you do. Meditation, prayer, mantra study, scriptural study. Scriptural study, scriptural study slash contemplation meaning you have a life of thinking, a life of ruminating, along with your, your, your scriptural studies. The, these things are super important. Um, just as an example, I'm, gonna, I'm going to have Christine come up and sit next to me. <laughs> She's going, oh my God. <laughs> That, that's part of the the, the who me syndrome. <laughs> Christine is a, and I'm saying this for history. Christine is a is a, a real deal yogini, and uh, she's going to have a a, a very uh, significant future in, in in teaching the Dharma. You know, so she, from our perspective, she's called someone who's like a basket holder. A basket holds the, the, the Dharma text and we walk through the world with those with that understanding. It's 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 important, you know. There's there's actually various people in this room um that are very, very imp important uh to get next to and to talk to. Um uh bec because they're people who have committed their lives to to this inner inner work, all of you are very very good, but all of you are all everybody's at a different level, every different perspective. You know, there's, there's all all different things going on with you, but it, it's important that I I point you out, you know, um, from time to times, so that the others of you can uh, talk to them, get next to them. So so much of this yoga life is knowing who to stand next to and knowing who to ask questions of, you know. Um, and it, it, they're all different, but what you find amongst all real yogis is a profound sincerity. There's two things, sincerity and sacrifice. Those are the two big things. You're really, really sincere about wanting to know, and they're willing to pay the price, see? This is not easy, this life. You have there's a price to pay, you know, but there's a price to pay to get your your master's and, and PhD also. You know you have to pay a price. So these are these are there's other ones who's like the super quiet one, Fung over there. You know she she's got a generous heart. You know she, the light of God is in that girl. You know she's fifty something, sixty something. I'm calling her a girl, but. <laughs> 
girl in spirit, but deep, deep uh, yogic samskara. She, she, when we met, she recognized the Dharma and just kept going forward. That's what you have to do. You know, you have Nick Warren sitting in the room, the real deal. You know, you can call him Sri Kalidas, an, an inner name. He's the real deal. You know, get next to these people. They, they, they have uh, significant sincerity. They're, they're, they're all in. See? So we have to always look around and, and, and say, who's living this life? Who's really in? There's always a huge crowd, but there's always just a few. See? That are, are really choosing to pay the price. Others of you all have great futures, you know. You know, you're slowly coming up, slowly coming up, slowly coming up. But there's quali different qualities of heart, you know, different levels of commitment, you know, that sincerity that, that sort of pushes you to, an to another level of, of, of practice. You know, get next to these people, you know. The, it, the company you keep determines your future, you know. The company you keep determines your future. So it, it's super important. So um, going back to my earlier statement, um, I'm going to have uh, Christine read this. It's a prayer that you're probably all very familiar with. So I'll have you read this. This is, one of the, it, this is attributed to uh, St. Francis. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is, I say doubt, doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. So this is a super important prayer. Oh, no, stay here with me. <laughs> there's a whole philosophy in this prayer. There's a whole way of thinking in, in, in this prayer. Now this is not a prayer that you just utter like a parrot. This is a, a massive philosophical uh, process that was uttered in, in, in this simple prayer. And in the beginning we all start off just like, you know, clogs of earth or, or clogs of wood. We're dull in the beginning. But the, the, the thing is, with these prayers, you have to start to really look at them and then start to say, okay, I'm going to say this prayer to myself three times a day and really think about it, you know. And when I say think about it, I'm talking about a very, very deep dive where you have to understand the meaning of each word you know, what is the Lord? What is your concept of Lord? What is your concept of make? What is the concept of me? Do a very deep dive in every single word. You know, what is an instrument? 
What is being an instrument of the Lord? See, this is really, really... No one's asked you and pressed you to be deeply philosophical, to think about these things. Other than that, we just say it, and we say, okay, I got through that prayer. No, no, that's not the yogic process. When I'm saying yogic process in prayer, it's, it's partly a jnana yoga process, where you're doing deep discrimination on every word in the prayer, and then, okay, now I understand every word, now this line as opposed to that line, this line as opposed to this line, you have to understand the references of this line to that line, that line to, you know, to the next line, and then this paragraph to that paragraph, and that paragraph to this paragraph. You, you have to make a very, very deep deconstruction of the prayer, see? This is a whole yogic philosophical statement uh, that you're going through, and and you say, okay, you know, where there is despair, hope. Who who hasn't been depressed in life? Who hasn't had a bad day? You know, so it's giving you also a remedy. You're saying, okay, when this when this comes into your life, this despair, this depression, you know, this misfortune, have hope. See. So you first start practicing it on yourself. And then as you can, every time something goes wrong, you can say, okay, well, what's positive I can think about? What's positive I can work on? You know, you know, you know every, every storm has a silver lining. You know, you, you start to get that mentality. You know, where there is darkness, there is light. You know, okay, there is darkness in the world, but there's a light in the world. As yogis, we don't have the principle of conquering or fighting anything. You know, there's a lot of evil in the world. There's wickedness in the world. But what we do have, and this is important to understand, we have the concept of displacement. We don't war with the evil. We don't war with the darkness. We simply attempt to displace it by providing more light. See? So, so we acknowledge that there's evil in the world, but we don't concentrate on that. We concentrate on generating more light, generating more light, more kindness, more compassion. So just through that, we're quietly displacing the darkness, quietly displacing the evil, see? We don't try to fight a war with anything, but we do displace things, see? The more radiant our heart can become, the more radiant our life can become, we simply displace the darkness, see? That's, that's the, the yogic methodology. So, one of the, I try to also try to make things very practical. So, I always have these different stones, you know. You can go to your local bead store and, and get these different stones. And uh, stay with me. <laughs> so, you have to understand how to train yourself properly because this is a psychological training. Even sometimes when I wake up in the morning, you know, you know, I wake up thinking about Dharma. I don't. It doesn't come to me. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of a sentence in Dharma, in just opening my eyes. Something I was working on in in the sleep condition will continue into the waking condition. So y you have to look at these kinds of prayers and think all the different physicality that you have, all the different mentality that you have, all the different emotionality that you have, 
you know, and say, well, where is their darkness in me? You know, where is their despair in me? You know, where is their sadness in me? You know, you, you have to see those things in you and then apply these antidotes. You know, how can I apply joy when there's sadness? You know, how can I generate that? See? So, so th this is, this is a, a micro-manual of your, of your evolution. You have to reflect on these things. These are all real things. There's injury, there's error, there's doubt, there's despair, there's darkness, there's sadness. Who hasn't experienced those things? So first you have to acknowledge such things exist in you and then see the remedy that was put forth. And then you have to become really creative. Well, how can I apply that remedy? So you have to constantly be thinking. I have all of these different stones. So in the beginning, you stick three stones in your pocket. And you say to yourself, okay, I'm going to say this prayer at least three times. And you, every time you say the prayer, you take it out and you just drop it in your purse. I used to give out these little tiny purses, but I haven't been able to get them recently. Yeah. That way you're assured of, of getting through. And then when you, can, when you can go through each of those stones for you know, a good period of time, minimum of month, and, and, and have it be easy, where you get all through all stones, then you add another stone. See? Because the key is, it's, it's through rumination and you become what you think about. You know, what you're always, 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 always thinking about is what you become. Th that, that becomes your psychological disposition. That becomes your living methodology, see? So this is sort of through rote, active activity. You know, so I showed you three stones, and then you get, oh, you have to work your way all the way up to 12 stones so that what happens is, you know, you're going to be thinking all the time one way or the other. The question is, what are you thinking about? See, we, we, want, you to th we want you to get the habit of, of, of the sanctity of thought. Right now, you're, you're sort of a rolling riot. Whatever comes in is what you're, what you're acting on. It's just, it's just a riot of, of noise and misperception and some good, some rubbish. But this is a way of, of true mind culture where you're constantly thinking about the words of, of masters and, 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 and sort of ruminating on, on how your life process can be reflective of that, of that prayer. See, this is another revelation, a deep revelation that has to come to you when your mind gets higher Normally, you, you people want to be human beings. How's that worked out for you? <laughs> you know, not so good. Read the papers. The, the thing is, over time, one of the deeper understandings that you, you'll come to is that if you become deeply spiritually mature, deeply spiritually mature your desire is not to be I want to be Harry Smith or whomever but you want your desire to be my life was a living prayer see that your life your actions your speech all were a prayer see a prayer of upliftment a prayer of light 
a prayer of God's love in the world. Don't, please, don't die a human being. That is not a successful birth. Die as a living prayer. See? That, that's the highest aspiration. You know, your whole life should be a prayer. See? So, if a prayer like this can become your active psychology, and the only way that can happen is by profound rumination and association, see, like a person who becomes a sports star or acting star, they think about sports all the time. They think about acting all the time. But if you want to, if you want to go through the heights of, 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 of evolution, then the prayers become your psychological basis, your psychological facility that, that you live through. So over time, and, and meaning over a prolonged period of time, you should get up to 12 stones, see? So that, that prayer starts to become all the time in your mind, and that becomes your living psychology. If you say, what is your psychology now? Isn't it a helter-skelter weaving of this and that, you know, bobs and bobbles all thrown together? There is no real psychology. It's just a bunch of stuff that you've sort of, you know, swept together and thrown in the basket, the basket of your head. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. There's, there's no order to it. You know, there's no intelligent sanctity to it. It's just a bunch of stuff, you know, sort of, sort of, functional stuff just to get through the next day. There's, there's, no, there's no cohesive, intelligent philosophy, psychology, methodology in it. None at all. You know, certainly not enlightened, you know, gifted by the sages. But if you take something like this and say, I'm going to mold my life to this philosophy, to this psychology, and the only way you can do that is by constant repetition and constant thought, this is who you become. This is who you become. This becomes your inner motivations. You know, how many tens of thousands of motivations do you manifest in any one day? See? We try to simplify our motivations to sanctified motivations. See? And we live that out. That way your, your life becomes an, an, a, a prayer. See? Your disposition becomes a prayer. Your physicality becomes a prayer. Even when you start touching things, you start saying God's name. See? Even your physicality will become a prayer. Now, um, I had a friend, Swami Shivananda Radha, who again came out of uh, uh, the Divine Life Society. Uh, she was a, a very big proponent of a, a prayer affirmation slash invocation. It's all these things um, that she uh, really promoted quite a bit. So I was reflecting on her. She's now gone, but she was a, a, a great, great woman, Swami. And uh, I'm going to have Christine read this prayer slash affirmation, and then I'm going to discuss it a little bit. And she called it. Uh, the, the, the light invocation, the divine life in, invocation. That's what she called it, the divine life invocation. So I'm going to have you read that. I am created by divine light. 
I am sustained by divine light. I am protected by divine light. I am surrounded by divine light. I am ever growing into divine light. Okay. Now, this is actually really important because it, it, it goes to how you define yourself. Most of the time we say, I am a man or I am a woman, woman. this is my race and this is my, my physical history in the world. And we define ourselves that way. So those are all the ways of limitation. I'm a boy, girl. I am such a culture. I am such a race. Uh, this is my personal history in the world. Those are all, those are all your limitations. The, 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 that's a a very worldly script that you that you confine yourself to. You know, as we're in in the yogic process, you have to see yourself as as a, as a spiritual being that's been embodied. See, you're a spiritual being that's been embodied. You know, forget the Sally Smith and Johnny Smith. You're you history historical life. If, if you live by your historical life, you'll be limited by your historical life. But if you start to see yourself as a spiritual being, meaning, uh, and, and, and as a, symbolically as a being of light in the world, living out a physical manifestation, you qualify yourself in a very, very different way. You know, I'll tell you, so many people make such appallingly poor progress in their meditation. Do you know why? Do you know what the subscript is? <clears throat> they're sitting there thinking, I'm Johnny Smith. And as long as they're sitting there thinking, I'm Johnny Smith, they're going nowhere. They may be a little bit more peaceful, but because they've defined themselves that way, that definition, they put, they put themselves into a cage. So they're sitting quietly in their little cage. I'm Johnny Smith. I'm Johnny Smith. I'm Johnny Smith. Well, where the heck are you going to go thinking you're Johnny Smith? That's silly. You have to, you have to dispose of that. But if, if you say that I'm a spiritual being of light, where are the parameters to that? That can go anywhere. That, 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 can, inf that can go infinitely out, go infinitely in. But if you sit there saying to yourself, you know, I'm Susie Smith, I'm Johnny Smith, well, you're only going to go as far as Susie Smith or Johnny Smith. You, you've just put yourself into a cage. You've, you've defined yourself and you've, you've shut down your meditation process. You, you'll, you'll, you'll be a nice human being. But how sad that you're going to just be a human being. How sad. You're, you're much more than that. You're so much more than that. The, the cosmos belong to you. You know? So it's, it's, if you define yourself as just a small historical being, that's exactly what you're going to be. See? But if, if you sit there with a spiritual openness and saying, I'm a being of light in the body of God, and just surrender to that, there's no more history now that's limiting you. There's no more limitation. There's just an infinite expansion. At that point, you can expand. You surrender to the infinite light as a particle of light. See? You've redefined yourself. You've opened yourself up. 
You're allowing yourself to become, take on your true body, your true experience. Not your petty little tiny human experience. That's, that is such a tiny drop as opposed to what you really, really are. See, so by, by just going over and over and over to redefining it, to, to redefine yourself, it's very, very important because all your loved ones ha have sung a song of limitation. You are Johnny Smith, you are this race, you are this gender. So they've sung a song of bondage that you 100% bought into. So I don't care what you do, what you say, you're going to be wrapped up in your own personal bondage because you're wrapped up in a very limited personal story. See? As a, when, when there is true surrender, there's infinite opportunity. There's infinite expansion. See? But because we're psychological beings, we need, we need something to focus on. So we, we focus on the concept of light. See? Otherwise, it's going to be too abstract. See? But we can all understand that light has the capacity of infinite expansion. See? And that we, go, we can all uh, uh, metaphysically think of God as an infinite light. And that we're a particle in that infinite light, which means there's infinite purity and infinite expansion. See? Infinite luminosity. See? So we have to learn to uh, redefine ourselves. See? Everyone is thinking. They, they sit down in meditation, I am Johnny Smith, and when they get up, I am Johnny Smith. Where was the expansion, for God's sakes? Where was the expansion? In, 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 real, in real meditation, you, you go beyond your, your human limitations. You go beyond your, your three-dimensional experience. You have to say you have to go from dimension to dimension, expansion to expansion, insight to insight. See? It goes beyond your race, gender, and history. See? Can you understand why people don't make any progress? Or they just become moderately better, moderately peaceful, but they don't become real yogis. See? See? Get out of the box. You have to redefine yourself. So again, the same thing, you know. With, with this prayer, I am created by divine light. I am sustained by divine light. I am protected by divine light. I am surrounded by divine light. I am ever growing into divine light. You're completely redefining yourself. You're breaking yourself from common personhood to a divine being, see? A particle of the body of God, see? And in part of that infinite expression of, of, of God. So again, this is my this is my tool. You can, you can see how many of these stones I have, <laughs> and I have many many buckets of stones because these are things I practice. You know, again, start with start with saying it three times every day because you think you're Johnny Smith because you've been telling yourself every day you're Johnny Smith. But if you start thinking of yourself as a spiritual being, as part of a body of light. Well, that will become your new definition, your new psychological association, your new psychological expression of yourself. See? You're limited by your own Johnny Smith. I'm saying let, let go of that. And then the way you let go of that is by saying this to yourself, affirming a, a greater truth. You're, you, were, you were affirming a limited truth. I'm saying affirm a greater truth. See? And again, you start in a very practical way. 
Start with three stones. Start with three stones. And make sure to say it every day. And you can start this as a sadhana where you can say, okay, for 48 days, I'm going to do this. See? And then after 48 days, add a stone. And after 48 more days, add another stone. See? You, you, what you plug into your mind, you, you have to define yourself. You have to define what you are and what your potential experience is. You've been defining yourself by all your limitations, by all the people who are wrapped up and bound up just like you. Their limitations, they were sharing their limitations with you. The yogi's job is, is, is to, to give you a truer insight as to who and what you are and give you a practical means of, of, of involving yourself in that. See? So this stone method really works. I've used it for many, many years. So go to your bead store and find some stones or find some beads that, uh, that are, are significant. Thank you, my dear. Yeah. This is Christine. Oh, basket holder. So I'm trying to uh, make this, this uh, practice in this life of yoga very, very practical. You must meditate. See? But don't meditate in bondage. For God's sakes, free yourself. Don't sit down as Johnny Smith and stand up as Johnny Smith. That's a disaster. See? The halls are filled with people doing that. You have to sit. That's why they said that I die daily. What, what do you think the, these great souls were thinking about in the Bible when they said, I die daily? What do you think they were talking about? They're, they're saying you're dying to your human identity and, and, and being birthed to your eternal identity. See? You're dying to your temporal identity and being birthed to your infinite identity. See? That's what's being said in the Bible. So when you sit... Don't be born to your temporal and wake up as your temporal. You've, got to, you've done nothing. In, in that infinite surrender, that surrender into the light, you're being birthed into, into your, your reality. That reminds me of something important about meditation. Really think about this. Really hold this in your mind because you'll make a lot more progress. In, in your meditation study. We, and this is the visual. We've all been to rivers. Has, has anybody in the room not been to a river? So we've all been to rivers. And as we walk along the riverbank, at some time, haven't we all seen large stones sitting in the midst of a river? Is there anyone who hasn't seen a large boulder or a large stone and the rivers rushing around it? We've all seen that. Is that not correct? Yeah, so we all have a, a psychological vi visual of a large stone and a rushing river. This is really important. In your meditation practice, you have to think of yourself as like that boulder or that large stone. That large stone is embodied in its own silence. This river 
is all the psychological and external activities that are actively going on around it. But that stone is invested in its silence. So when you sit for meditation, think about that stone where the stone is invested in its own poise and its own silence, its own beingness. So the stone sits in that. But there's all this other activity going on around it. There's external activity, and there's also, you know, we, we have a psychological activity, sensations and emotions and intellect. That's all part of the body of activities going on. But that stone is committed to the silence, see? Regardless of the activities going on around us. So whether a baby is crying next door, or our emotions are jumping up and down. When we sit, we take a breath and we become that stone that's committed to its own silence, committed to its own poise. See? If you can understand what I've said, you're going to make a lot of progress in meditation. See? But if you sit as the active, noisy river and you're fighting with the noisy river, I'm sorry, I don't care how much you sit, no progress. You know, you're, you're, it's nice that you're making an effort, but unskillful, unskillful actions. Think of yourself as that stone that's committed to the silence and poise and learn to hold that. And then, you then the next phase of understanding is there's two processes. There's the process of thinking, and then there's a the process of awareness. In meditation, classical yogic meditation, we're abandoning the process of thinking, see? And we're entering the process of just pure awareness, see? There's a huge difference between thinking and awareness, see? So that stone is committed to the silence, committed to the awareness, and just that being. And then we have to learn to sit in that. We have to learn to make that our primary identification. Because right now, our primary identification is our physicality, our emotions, and our thinking process. That's our primary identification right now. In your meditation practice, your primary identification is surrender to that silence and pure awareness. And that becomes your identity, see? That's why you have to sit year after year, hour after hour, month after month in meditation because you're shifting your primary identification. Right now, you primarily identify as a, as a corpuscle human being. That is your primary identity. That is anti-evolutionary. <laughs> that it really is, it's anti-evolutionary. At best, you're just standing still. But if you can hold that sense of, you know, complete surrender to the infinite silence, complete surrender to that light, complete surrender to pure awareness, not thinking, awareness. See, they're totally, totally different phenomena. And then just be in that condition for prolonged periods of time, over the years, over the decades, then your identification 
changes. See? So you have to learn what you are. You don't know what you are. Everybody, the moment you open your eyes, everyone is telling you who you are, which is totally bogus because they don't know themselves. They don't know who they are. And then this ignorant one is telling you who you are. This, you can't learn anything from them. That's why you must study at the feet of the sages because they know who they are. None of the human beings know who they are unless they're a deep yogi or becoming into that sage knowledge. See? So you have to say, who do I listen to in this world? Listen to the scriptures, listen to the saints, listen to the masters. They know who they are. Nobody else does. Everybody is, is in a very dynamic theatric delusion. A dynamic theatric delusion. Everybody else, that's their stick. That's what they're into. It's only the saints and the masters and the high yogis that are truly understanding what they are and they're living that out. And that's why I say, this is who I am, this is what I do. There's no debate, no, debate, no discussion. This is who I am, this is what I do. Because we, we come to a greater awareness of what we are. And then we hold to that, no matter what the world says. The entire world can be saying something else. It doesn't make any difference. It's the chatter of monkeys. You know, it doesn't make any difference. We just take a breath, become that stone in the river, committed to the silence, committed to the poise, committed to the awareness, and that's it. Everything stops there. And then we do that decade after decade after decade. See? So, so we can come to an awareness of what we really are. And then we can fulfill that. See? We can fulfill that. See? See? So it's a little bit difficult to study higher yoga. You have to abandon, I'm a human being. I'm Johnny Smith. How many people are willing to do that? 99.9, no. No way. <laughs> Later on that. But... If you can start to have sacred association, be with the higher yogis, be with the saints, be with the masters, you, you can start to see the nature of their life, the efficacy of their life, the potency of their life, the experience of their life. And then over time, you start to say, humans, okay. You understand that that's an evolutionary stage, but that, that's just a point in our evolutionary arc. That's not where we're supposed to stay. See? It's just a, it's just a condition along the way. See? So, as you can start to have that kind of holy association, in the very beginning you have a holy association through the scriptures and through the biographies of saints. But then later on, as you mature and, and the heart becomes more sincere, then you can have embodied association. You, you'll start to meet the great yogis, and you'll start to meet the saints, you'll start to meet the masters, and then you hold on to that association, and then you, you, you move from the common human community to a sanctified fellowship, see? A sanctified community of, of, of elder uh, of mothers and sisters and brothers who, who, whose, whose hearts and minds dwell in the kingdom, you know, not in the earth of man, but in the kingdom of God. You, you enter into that community, see, and in, in, to enter into that community, you have to re-identify. You have to figure out far more what you are, as opposed to what humans told you who you are. See, so it's in that meditation practice, in that the alchemy of mantra, 
and the, the, the psychological processes of prayer, the, the metaphysical psychological processes of prayer, that you completely are remolding yourself, restructuring yourself, repurposing yourself, see? Where you're no longer living for yourself. You're living for the will and the way of God. That, that, is, that is your life. You live for the will and the way of God. It becomes your life. You know, there's no more I am this, I am that. No, no, no. You're, you're, only, you're only receptive to is, is, is that constant contemplation of what is God's will, what is God's way. And then you become sort of a, a diamond of light in the world to do your bit, to do your bit. You know, whatever, whatever heaven wants to radiate through you, that's your bit in the world. And that becomes your living prayer. That becomes your lifestyle. Your lifestyle becomes a living prayer. See? How many human beings live and die and say, I want to become a living prayer. I want to die as a living prayer. You know, <laughs> you know scan your friends and see, see if that's entered their minds. But all the deep yogis are that way. All my brothers and sisters are that way. See? See? So, you have, it's through this, these practices, meditation, prayer, mantra, scriptural study rumination you redefine your your experience in the world you you redefine what what your energetics in this world is see and then you 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 uh, you join the, the uh, appropriate community see you join the appropriate community you, you you don't live by limitation see that that's the human condition we we live by limitation. Highly unfortunate. That's why there's so much suffering here. So much suffering. This kind of limitation, that kind of limitation. It doesn't end well. It doesn't end well. You have to live by your infinite, intelligent, divine expansion. You, you, you go, go from greater harmony, greater light, to greater harmony, greater light, greater harmony, to greater light. See? As opposed to the human condition is this binding, that binding, this binding, that binding. You understand why we call it profoundly unfortunate? You know, every binding is a suffering. See? So if you enter this practice of prayer, mantra, meditation, you know, rumination, scriptural rumination, it's expansion, 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 expansion. So that's what I've been thinking about in the last few months uh, um, to try to put it in a way that everybody can understand and, and to understand the very, very, very deep psychological changes that you must slowly make and that you have to change your aspiration. You have to change what you desire. You get what you want. You have to understand that. You get what you want. So if, if, if you're not looking into the minds and hearts of the saints, how is it possible for you to want that? You can't want what you've never invested in, you know, what you've never investigated. See? You, you, you must study the scriptures. You must study the lives of the saints. See? And then you can make an, an intelligent decision. Do you want that? See? Does that have meaning to you? If that has meaning to you, then come with Hari and people like Hari. You know the, the the greater souls like my master and such, 
You know, find find some noble soul and get next to them. Learn the craft. See? But this is evolutionary. And you're you get to choose. You know, you can face the light or you can turn away, you can do whatever you want. It's it's your choice. See, this is a very particular life. So you you all have the karma to hear this kind of a talk. So it means that you have this karma to be able to make this type of decision. It's up to you. You know, you, you must be really, really sincere. You know, you must be, be willing to, to sacrifice. Without those two things, forget it. Go do something else. But if, if you can say that this is a life of value and it really means something to you, be willing to pay the price, you know. Do the work of God. You know, harmonize your, harmonize your being with God. Understand what the word God means. You know, forget the his, history that people have said, this is God, this is God. No, no. Go deeply into the saints' lives. Study their prayers and see what they mean when they say God. You know, and then make a decision whether you choose this life or not. See? So, so I've just given you one, one level of a body of understandings. Um, there's a, there's a, 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 another level, but not, it's not, can't be discussed. But if you do the things that I've talked to you about, um, you will make sincere, significant progress. You know. You will not die a small human worm. You know, you'll die significant. You know, deeply spiritually significant. Your life will have been a blessing in the world, whether it's seen or unseen, known or unknown. Your life will have been a blessing in this world. See. So this is a very high dharma, a very high life, not an easy life at all but a very, very high life. And it's, it's your decision. God has given you free will what you choose. Whatever you choose, it's fine. You've got all the time in the kingdom, so it'll work out. You know, We'll all reach the kingdom eventually. See? But it's like, how long do you want to sit in the frying pan you know, and get shaked and baked, rocked and rolled? See? As opposed to saying, I'll follow the saints. You know, I'll follow the saints into the kingdom. Man cannot lead you to the kingdom. Only the saints and masters can. See? So you get next to them. You know, listen to them carefully. And start to apply these sacred sciences, this, this craft of life. Then, then you, you will become an instrument of God. That is a, that is a fact. And... and don't think, oh, I'm, I'm poor, or I'm uneducated, or I'm this, or I'm that. No, no. This is all the matter of a sanctified heart. You're all equal. You all have equal opportunity. It depends on the choices you make. The choices you make. See? It, it's, so it's, at the end of the day, it's entirely up to you. So I've tried to give a small disposition. Some of this stuff I'm going to try to get some of the people who are more computer savvy and, and uh, put it on a card for you, like these prayers that we did, you know, and then really invest in those stones and stuff.
<laughs> stones or or beads, Ram Krishna, or beads, you know. So like, w cause so we did two different prayers. So you would get two different stones, you know, or two different beads, so that you can recognize. Okay, I've done twelve of this, and I've done twelve of that, or three of this and three of that. See? So, but this this bead work really works well. See, so you can't lie to yourself. You can't trick yourself. Either either they're in your pocket or they're not. See, so you put them in your pocket, and then as you once once you finish the prayer, then you put it in your purse. You can't lie to yourself. Either either you have a pocket of stones, or you don't. At the end of the day, see. <laughs> These are really practical methodology. So, you know, that, that, then, then it's just invest your life in the process, you know. If, if you do, you know, when you're, when you're taking your last breath, you'll thank God and kiss the earth that, that you were at a satsang like this to get this kind of knowledge. Say, this is what you got to do in order to see the light of God. See? But it's again your choice. Any questions? Any thoughts? See, this is this is what the yogis ruminate on. This is what I've been thinking about the last uh, three, two, three months. Is how to take a body of practices, a body of knowledge, and simplify it, and then put it out so that people can can get something out of it. See, nothing I'm saying is conjecture. Everything I've said, I've practiced all my life. You know. And, and there's been, for me, significant fruit. The same is true for, for anybody. You can do it too. Just, that's just, you know, you, no one, the thing is, no one told you how to do it. That's all. So now you're being told explicitly what you must do to make significant spiritual practice. What did Jesus see when he looked into the world? What did Buddha see when he looked into the world? What did Sri Krishna see when he looked into the world? This is, we, we're, not, we're not trying to, maintain our eyes we want to see what the saints see we want to see what the masters see see we, we're abandoning our limited vision for an infinite vision see so you have to that's a sacrifice you have to be willing to make that sacrifice you know you're sacrificing a limited identity to an infinite identity it's a sacrifice it's a whole change of of, of psychic life so it can be scary for an average human being. But for those who have the heart and desire, go for it. Go for it. Yes? Can you talk about mantra a bit more? I love how you gave um, like a specific way to start meditation, 10 minutes a day and then three times for 10 minutes and then how to increment it up. Yeah. And then with prayer, with the beads. Yeah. With mantra, is it really important to do it in a specific way, like right after meditation? Or can no. you be driving, saying it in your head, and it's just as powerful? Do you need to say it aloud? I okay. like how you said there's those two mantras to start with. Yeah. How many times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all yeah. very. That's all very good questions, Elizabeth. So where to start? Start with a mala. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you start. Mala has a hundred and eight beads on it. And then there's a Meru bead, or a Guru bead. Meru means mountain. It means the pinnacle. They, they say 108 because they say there's 108 points of light in the heart. See? So, we start just by Om Shri Rama Jai Rama Jai Jai Rama Om Shri Rama Jai Rama Jai Jai Rama Om Shri Rama Jai Rama Jai Jai Rama 
So as you're doing that, see, there's 108. You can do half of that if you don't have the time, 54. See, but as you're saying, Om Shri Rama, Jai Rama, Jai Jai Rama, what you're doing is you're attuning your energetics to the energetics of that mantra. And every mantra has an effect. So, you know, with the Ram mantra, you're, you're attuning to a noble... Uh, um, hmm. it, this, it's, it's hard to say because it's, it's, it's so deep. There's nobility and profound love and insight. See, sacred insight and profound love in a very noble way, you know, that lifts everybody. So you're, you're, you're attuning to that energy. That alchemy is being uh, stimulated. See? That aspect of, of God's love is being stimulated in you. In you. Just, just by slowly attuning yourself, by saying it over and over and over. Uh, and, the, and the way they say it, you first utter it. So you're saying, Om Shri Rama, Jai Rama, Jai Jai Rama. And then you quietly over... When that, and that's because the mind is a bit gross, so it needs, it needs the activity. And then later on, they say utter and then mutter. And it's, Om Shri Rama, Jai Rama, Jai Rama, Om Shri Rama, Jai Rama. See? And then utter, mutter, and then silence, where you're just sitting in your mind, going through the beads, and you're just saying Om Shri Rama, Jai Rama, in your mind. So it's becoming more and more condensed, more and more concentrated. See? If you're saying it aloud, less concentrated. Saying it, you know, whispering it, more concentrated. Doing it purely psychically, more concentrated. See? So, so, so that's, how, that's how you work with, with mantra. And then the, this is the key of just the being invested in more and more and more and more. You know, you know just, just saying it three times, that's nice. But that's not enough to change all the mayhem that you've created, vibrational mayhem that you've created through how many lifetimes? There's a lot of psychic noise, a lot of rubbish baggage that has to go through that alchemy that has to be changed. Just like if you take a log and put fire on it, the fire of alchemy changes it into vibhuti, sacred ash. So there's a lot of... We've got a very large barn of rubbish in our psyche that needs to be burnt up, see? So mantra is always working, known or unknown, the moment you start uttering mantra, it's burning up that backlog of rubbish and making it into a sacred vibration, see? A, a sacred element, see? So, so you have to invest yourself. You can't say, well, I, I said it three times, I'm good to go. No, no, that's really foolish, deeply foolish. So mantra has to come, okay, I've done, I've, I, I've now mastered one mala. And then you, you try again, okay, now I've mastered two malas. It has to become part of your lifestyle. And then three malas, and four malas, and five malas, say like that. It, it, it has to become substantive. So that, that, so that name of God, over time, will just always be arising. Sometimes I wake up in the mornings chanting God's name. You know, because it's in the psych... I've just, it's just been so, so much part of my life. It's like waking up with a song in your mind. It becomes like that, you know? And, and then you, you, start to, you start to learn, you know, other things. Oh, you know, anytime you shake someone's hand, you say God's name. Anytime 
you touch anybody, you say God's name. You know, you start to start implementing it in your life. You know, anytime I get into the car, I say God's name. Stuff like that. So that anytime I feel fear, I say God's name. So you, so you have to start to find all of these little practical ways of things that you do all the time. Tag God's name to it. See, and then over time, you just become saturated with the remembrance of God's name. It's always in you. It's like a song that's always in your head. See, it's in your belly, basically. See? So, so that's how you learn to work with mantra. Um, with with um, a mantra like uh, Taraka mantra, the, the Ram mantra, you can say it anywhere, anytime. See? Now, with Gayatri mantra, it's a little bit different. There's different injunctions with Gayatri. Uh, Gayatri, you know, in your meditation spot, in a particular time, see, facing east or north, see, you know, that's part of your sadhana specific centralized place where you practice Gayatri mantra. When you practice Gayatri mantra, you use a Rajakshamala. Rajakshamala. Ram mantra, you can practice anywhere, under any circumstance. But Gayatri is, is in your, your sitting sadhana time. See? And then you start with one mala, which only takes around 20 minutes. And then when that gets easy and simplified, then two malas. And that gets easy and simplified, then three malas, like that. Until it, until it becomes a part of your, your psychic vibrational body. See? You'll make great progress. You know, many, many calamities, many, many obstacles that would have come will not come. See? Will not come. It'll, all that will be burnt away and uh, unfortunate forces will go around you as opposed to over you. <laughs> See? So, but it, it, this is, that's why I say it's a lifestyle. It becomes part of your life. The, the alchemy of mantra. And ultimately, you know, mantra, they say, man is mind, tra is that which takes you beyond. So mantra takes you beyond the mind. It, it takes you to the, the, the dwelling of the kingdom. You know, all mantras uh, have manifest from the kingdom. And uh, the various saints, through their sacred attunement, have, have received these mantras. And then they will utter those mantras to the world. So the world, the mantras are, or, 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 or manifest in the kingdom, but birth through the saints and masters. They're, they're birthed into this world through the saints and masters. But their origin is always in the kingdom. See? So, so it, it's, it's God's alchemy in the world is, is mantra. See? So any other questions? Thoughts, ideas. <laughs> In the beginning, you spoke about intention. Super important. Okay, you can put it on him so he can see. I want the little history going on here. <laughs> so this is Raj Rana, my good friend. With intention, mm -hmm. um, you've got so many different intentions people have liberation, you know whatever, how does one choose an intention and then how does one use that intention throughout the whole process that you spoke about? Uh, most intentions start in ignorance. Most people's intentions are ignorant. 
It's it's only by studying uh, scriptures and studying the biographies of saints do you acquire some kind of intelligent intention. See, you, you, by studying the saints, you acquire the position to say this person's life had meaning. So, like, you know, this is a particularly Judeo-Christian culture. So people read the work of Jesus and say, wow, his life had meaning. So they acquire the intention of, of bringing some of his method and his philosophy into their life. See? So first you have to start with intelligently informing yourself. You see? Well, in, who, whose life had meaning? Like, when, when I was a kid, I, I said to myself, I don't know why I was thinking about these things when I was a kid, but I was. You know, I said to myself, who has had the most positive and long-term effect in humanity? Who has had the most positive and long-term effect? It was those two conditions I had in my mind in humanity. So I started thinking. You, know, you think about philosophers and you think about scientists and you think about social workers. And then, and over time, oh, wait a minute, let's think about the saints. See? Ram Krishna. They, they, their, their, their effect on society has gone on for thousands of years. See? So, consequently, I started studying all the saints and masters and such because they fulfilled the two criteria of my early thought. Who has had the most positive effect for the longest duration? That was my original posit. So you land up with this. Ultimately, I landed up with the saints and masters, and then it's 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 being inspired by them that I that I took on an intention. See, but it came from inspiration. See, so that was uh, intention. <laughs> How does one start then in the process of forming an intention? Just what what I said. Find out. You can use the same formula that I use. In your mind, your personal history, and in your inquiry into the world, who has had the most positive, long-term, beneficial effect in the world? See? So study their lives. Read their literature. Read their biographies. And then, then make a decision. Do I choose to walk that life to become like them? You don't have to become a carbon copy, but like them in intention. Like them. Like Jesus made a, a positive effect in the world. Buddha made a positive effect in the world. Sri Krishna made a positive effect in the world. So you, you, you acquire that intention of positiveness. Like in my earliest days, I didn't really have a, a sophisticated uh, concept of love. Like I want to be a loving person. That wasn't the word that I used. The, the word that I used as a boy and, 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 and still to this day is significant to me is kindness. I didn't say I want to be a more loving person. That wasn't my original concept or thoughts. I always, the, 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 the principle that made uh, a difference in my personal mind was word kindness. So I, I determined I want to be a kinder person, a kinder person, you know. Or I saw a, a, a neighbor who I thought was always very balanced and very judicious. He was always extremely fair. And I, I from a boyhood, I, I remember I was like eight or nine years old. I determined 
I am going to be like that. There was no doubt in my mind. I, I made a, a conscious intention. I am always going to be judicious. I'm always going to be fair. See? So that became, from boyhood, a, a psychic intention. And I, to this day, I always think about what is truly, truly fair. Not what's good for me. I think about what is really, really fair. What is for the best has become central in my mind. Not what's good for me, but what is for the best. You know, what is truly judicious and, and good for everybody. See? So, intention comes from inspiration. You have to, you have to be inspired by something. Mm -hmm. And then that should become your intention. See? So, that's how I've done it. I mean, how I've worked worked with worked with intention but you must have intention if you don't have intention you're just drifting you're going here you're going there you know you're just drifting intention is much more like totally directed you know you know i will i will reach that peak you know i will climb that mountain okay any other questions oh. jen anything something about um, selfless service. Is, is, you didn't mention that as part of this package. But yeah, that's just. How do we think about that? Selfless service is just. Again, go back to the studying of of the, the prayers of the saints. The you want you want the best to manifest in life. So if you're constantly just working for your personal interests, you're contracting. But if you're working for the interests of the entire ecological system that you live in, that becomes selfless service. The less I and the more us. <laughs> See? So what's good for the entire ecology? So if, if you work for the entire ecology, you're working for the entire us and yourself. But if you're saying, I want this for me, and this is good for me, you're not considering the needs of the greater community. You're just a little selfish, you know, unfortunate creature. See? You know, that's devolution as opposed to evolution. See? Evolution wants the entire ecosystem, the entire community to be hale and healthy, well, you know, so it, it's like that. You know, just always think what is for the best, not what's good for me. What is for the best? See, the whole community, the whole ecosystem. You want the whole ecosystem to be well. See, so that's my my nutshell on that. Any other thoughts? Is um, Fung anything? No. <laughs> Nick Nick Warren. You can spin it around because I want this for history. <laughs> for, for history. Sri Kali Das. History will say what it wants to say. Yeah. Um, but one thing which I was thinking of as you spoke was that the question of redefining oneself. You say I want to redefine myself. It's also I'm using the word redefining myself. I'm also. Still thinking limit to limit. Mm -hmm. And so the question 
or the word in my mind which came up is was not redefining oneself but asking oneself who one is and then know that that's not a question you can answer by definition that's a question you have to answer by observation yes and that's what Hari was saying about awareness so the shift that's why a Zen koan is not answerable because it can't be answered by definition so the question is to break the block of definition in the first place and to see how you would what that means both about going beyond thought and about how you find knowledge in that Good, good. Yeah. You should really listen. What he's saying is important. <laughs> you know? So so today is a <coughs> sort of a, a dynamic day where we're we're talking about really important things and I'm sort of trying to point out, you know, some of the people in this room that uh, um I mean everybody in this room is significant. Everybody in this room is is, is really important. You all have wonderful interesting skills but you all uh, are at different levels of of paying the price paying the, 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 that sacrifice that that must be made you know um, you're, you're all part of a uh, ashrama a, a divine a divine collective you're all becoming different different levels of, of self-awareness and and, and, and and commitment so it's like a trekking party, you know. We're all we're all climbing this the same mountain, but we all have different bodies, uh, bodies of uh, abilities, you know. And, and our job is to help each other, you know. I'm like my Guruji Sherpa, you know, up and down the mountain, up and down, up and down, up and down, birth after birth. And then he says, "Oh, hurry! I'm gonna lean back. You go up and down the mountain and take the group." <laughs> That's all it is. <laughs> So, and then later on, after you've gone up and down the mountain so many times, Hari will say, you know, I'm going to lean back a little bit. You take the group. <laughs> that's how it works. That's, that's, that's how it works. So, um, you know, these satsangs are important. You know, the satsang is to um, have your heart become, fall in love with the glories of God. And then, how to make that journey to the kingdom? Mm. So you're you're all at all different gradations, different levels. You you have a girl like Susan Patton here, who I hope you know bit by bit she has she has such a pure heart, but now she just has to take the next step and stand up and share it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, or you have a. Raul Brown over here. Put the camera on Raul. Raul has a, a, a role to play. You know, Raul Brown, he asks me really, really intelligent questions. In, in the future, he's going to write about me. <laughs> you know, and he has all these intelligent questions. And what I like about him, he has a very good heart. But he has a very logical method, methodological way of thinking, and that'll be good for other people. You know, he asks very sculpted questions, 
So he's like my principal interviewer now. <laughs> you know? And then you have Raj Rana over here is my buddy. <laughs> and then you have Matthew behind him, who's the great bhakta and um, humanitarian, you know, brings joy brings joy to any room he walks into. You know? So there's all these good people. I mentioned Fung back there. You know, you can spin it around because I want it for history. <laughs> Fung is very quiet. She's like gold, like a gold murti sitting there. Very quiet, but of great value. She's, she's one of those hidden gems. You know, if you, you want to know about kindness and generosity, stand next to Fung and it'll start to rub off, you know. But she's not someone who's banging any drums. She's just quietly present, quietly doing the work. That's the higher disciples are like that. You know, their mouths are quiet, but their actions are strong. You know, that's like Fung right there. The first day I saw Fung, the very second I saw her, I started praying to God, please send this one, you know. The second I saw her, I immediately started to pray. You know, it's, it's like a, a diamond in the quarry. Like, whoa, there's a diamond. Please, please, let's get that one. So, you know, so we're all, we're all here. We all have great value. Her beautiful son is here. You know, Stephen. He's put his foot on the path, you know. And we have uh, Jamie and, and, and Matthew. Who, who finally come and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, these two husband and wife and their beautiful daughter Lily they, they have a, a significant uh, a spiritual work ahead of them they, they're going to keep growing 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 they're going to help a lot of people you know, to, to give them intelligent introduction into this life so everybody has a role. Everybody has a role. You know, we all we all have some energetic. You know, Jin is here. She's come. Jin is generous and a kind heart. Deep by deep, she'll bit by bit, she'll learn this craft. You know, everybody's there. <laughs> Susan Patton has been with me over twenty years. Over twenty years, she's been here studying, and she keeps the records of everything that happens. It's important. But again, you don't hear Susan Patton talking very much. Her mouth is shut, but she's listening. You know, she's constantly going to that uh, purification of the heart, purification of the heart, purification of the heart. Eventually, it's, that's like a, a bud. Eventually, a massive flower will just explode. See? That's the Susan, Susan Patton story. So bit by bit, you know, it's all there. She has all the qualities. Now she just has to stand up. That's that's the only thing now. It's, it's to take, be willing to share the beauty of your heart. You know, you know, it's 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 the who me syndrome. You know, eventually the teachers call people out and say, hey, you've got this golden quality. Stand up. You know, stand up. Let people know that these things exist. You know as opposed to sitting on the treasure. 
she's sitting on the treasure. <laughs> but now spit by bit, she'll still she'll stand up. Any other? People, people have to leave some of them. Okay, okay. What time is it? Okay, it's 12. Okay, so we're going to chant Om. I'm glad that we've all had this time to, to spend together. It, it's important. It's really, really important. And, the, and that you get an, an intelligent roadmap of, of the method. And someone t tell you honestly what it takes. This is not easy. Nothing we do is easy. You know, God's work is not simple. This world's a mess. We're a mess, but we've got to get it all sorted out. And, and I've just discussed a lot of the ways of, of how we get it sorted out. There's others, but I, you have to master this, and then there's other things, the other mechanical things that must be done. So we'll, we'll chant Om again three times. Take a deep breath in. Oh.